This is the FM Gold channel of All India Radio. In the weekly program Money Talk, now we bring you a discussion on export of onion and other essential commodities and its impact on economy. The participants are Mathali Mushnur Mutt, economic analyst, and Arjun J. Chaudhary, journalist. In today's program, we will uh, try and understand what led the government to allow the exports of onion to continue from March 15. What were the circumstances which led to the government prohibiting the export in September 2019? And what are the facts facing farmers right now in terms of pricing and the demand uh, for onions as well in the market for this type of food commodity? So, Maithili, what were the reasons for the government uh, to allow the export of onions? What are the circumstances in terms of tonnage? and production of this winter crop. See, the problem, Arjun, I think one must go back a little further in time when the government first imposed a ban in early September. First, in fact, they introduced what was known as a minimum export price. And only if that minimum export price condition was satisfied could farmers export because prices of onions had shot through the roof. And governments, as you know, are very sensitive to any increase in inflation, particularly when it is food inflation. So when onion prices started rising, government first imposed minimum export price. Since that didn't serve to bring down the prices, subsequently followed it up with an export ban. Unfortunately, from the farmer's perspective, certain the fact is that our agriculture policies have always had a consumer bias. Is government has to choose between something that benefits consumers and something that benefits farmers. It's invariably what benefits the consumers rather than the farmers, despite all the talk of, you know, doubling farmers' income and the governments, even earlier governments, also successive governments have all talked about how you need to kind of be kind to the rural areas, the farmers, etc. But in practice, when it comes to actually implementing policies, all governments have tended to favor consumers. So this ban was imposed. Now, subsequently, now when prices have fallen, they've crashed very dramatically and farmers are actually unhappy because at the time when they could have got higher prices in the global market, you prevented them from doing it. And now when prices are crashing in domestically, they would like to export. So after a great deal of protests and unrest from amongst the farmers, particularly in the onion growing areas in Maharashtra, the government has now decided that from March 15th, they will allow them to export again. We need to look at this in the larger context of volatility in the price of many agricultural crops because they are perishable, they have a limited shelf life. So today it is onions, another time it can be potatoes. It can be pulses, it can be sugar. So today's discussion, we're talking only about onion, but I think it's a much larger problem. It extends to a number of agricultural commodities. Well, uh, you mentioned about uh, the minimum export price, uh, which was set at 850 US dollars. And the government uh, has understand the consumer bias towards uh, the rise and fall in uh, onion prices because it has impacted uh, the stability of government at the center as uh, well. And your consumers are part of the vast electorate. So as a politician and as a political entity, I'm sure food inflation is uppermost on their mind as compared to the interests of farmers who would like to see the highest possible price for the product. I agree, yes. Every government is bothered about inflation, particularly food inflation, and governments have lost elections merely because, you know, as onion prices, as you mentioned. But the fact is, is there a better way of doing this than having a minimum export price in terms of having a ban? Because it is very difficult for farmers to first catch hold of an export market. Once you have an export market, you've cultivated it with a great deal of difficulty. And suddenly, if there's a ban, then tomorrow your buyer will no longer come to you. He'll say, if you're not a dependable supplier, why should I buy from you? And India is now the largest export of onions with the second largest producer. 
producer after China. So particularly at a time like this in the context of coronavirus, etc., it's quite possible that China will no longer be such a large player in the export market. We were the largest producer, but we were the largest exporter. So clearly there would be opportunities for our Indian farmers to get better prices abroad. So in trying to maintain this balance between consumers and the farmers, I think there are better ways of ensuring a balance. As, in, as I said, this you know Essential Commodities Act, for instance, it has received so much criticism and so many expert committees have said scrap it. In fact, the latest economic survey also called for doing away with this Essential Commodities Act because like many of our laws, intent is good, but the consequences are far from what are desirable, unintended consequences. So in fact, the economic survey argues that because of the Essential Commodities Act, volatility has has in fact increased. So you've not really got the benefits. The benefits in terms of ensuring that prices are remain reasonably stable. It has in fact increased volatility. It has in fact deterred people from setting up the infrastructure needed to preserve these kind of crops. Like if you build warehouses, coal storages. So I think there are other ways of doing it, you know, imposing these abrupt bans because it does more damage than good. The prices really do not come down dramatically and farmers are hurt. So I think when governments, when they're trying to tread this very difficult tightrope walk between consumers and farmers, I think they need to see, is this the best option? Is the ban the best option? And increasingly what we're seeing is the ban is not the best option. But I think governments and their anxiety to get prices down, it's like a knee-jerk reaction. Whereas the other things in terms of improving the infrastructure for storage, doing away with the essential commodities, act, these are more difficult things. People like Professor Ashok Gulati, who's a very renowned agricultural economist, has suggested that maybe government can do things like in the use of dehydrated onions. If we can do things like that, you know, process onions and rather than having fresh onions, use the flakes, etc. So I think governments tend to always look at the short term rather than the long term. So perhaps that is the way to go, that you don't kind of have these knee-jerk reactions. So I'm entirely in favor of lifting the export ban, and I think government should not in future impose export bans unless it is very, very grave situation. If farmers can benefit, allow them to benefit because they also suffer. In fact, what most people don't recall is that in early 2019, the prices of onions had crashed. So farmers suffered quite a great deal. So if you're serious about doubling farmers' income, you need to kind of think of better ways of achieving that end. Well, uh, when you talk about uh, doubling farmers' income, there's also the issue of consumers not being able to pay the high rate for onions per kilogram. We've seen that, uh, and the voicing of uh, the electorate is usually quite strong. You have uh, news uh, coming out in terms of what the feedback is and what the government should do to arrest those prices. And every now and then you find uh, that farmers and the uh, middlemen are always motivated by the export of their product from which they're earning a foreign exchange. So the government is also running a tightrope, as you just said. Uh, coming back to the production, the harvest for the month of March is 40 lakh metric tons as compared to 28.4 lakh metric ton last year. And this was announced by the food minister Ram Vilas Paswan. What has led to this jump in production right now? Look, so farmers also take market signals. So when the prices rise and people are likely to plant more crops, as well as I said, in the case of agriculture commodities, very often we see this kind of volatility. So very basically what government could do is that in terms of building things like a buffer stock, not like the kind of buffer stock that we have for cereals, where the Food Corporation of India has now become a huge drag because it has excess buffer stock, but a combination of building some kind of a buffer stock or a price stabilization kind of fund, and at the same time, as I said, doing away with the Essential Commodities Act, ensuring that you have this huge difference between what the producer gets and what the consumer pays, because there's this large number of middlemen. So if you did away with all that, maybe, in, in fact, even by allowing FDI in retail, which we have not done in multi-brand, in agriculture, etc., in that case, you know, you would crunch the number of middlemen involved, and you wouldn't have the situation where the consumer pays a lot, and the farmer gets very little. You know, from the farm to 
the plate as it were, the difference would not be so much. So I think a number of measures need to be taken and I think one needs to do it for all agricultural. So we saw a couple of years ago pulses, the prices had shot through the roof, edible oils. So I think there is this problem, as I said, with agricultural commodities precisely because they are perishable. But just as government does not impose a ban on, say, export of steel or export of cement or export of any other commodity when the prices rise internationally or rise domestically. So I think it's a little unfair to use farmers in order to kind of keep consumers happy because at the end of the day, many of the one must remember that, you know, farmers also, they have a very difficult task because they're entirely at the vagaries of the monsoon, which is why you'll find successive generations nobody wants to do farming. So if that is the situation, you must ensure that farming remains at least reasonably attractive. And if you do this kind of thing, it certainly is not going to be attractive at all. So it's a tough call for government, but I do not think farmers should be made a scapegoat for the problems that arise. That's the whole issue behind subsidy is that the food security is very important for the nation. You just mentioned about how important the employment in crop farming is for the future generation. Just coming back to the structure of crop farming itself, don't you think that the absence of forward markets is a reason why there is underproduction or overproduction? And then we talk about consequences like the buffer stock is too high or for that matter you have issues with warehousing and cold storage or finding ways to process the food by dehydration measures as you just mentioned earlier. Don't you think that there is a absence of forward markets which is why we are having this issue of supply demand mismatch? No, forward markets would certainly help but given the kind of farmers that we have I'm not sure how many of them will really be able to take advantage of that. So I think there are simpler ways of doing things. There's another thing that I forgot to mention earlier is the APMC. The APMC Act, there has been talk of mending it, government has passed the model APMC Act, but many states really have not done it. So as a result of which you have huge mandi taxes, farmers are forced to bring it only to a particular mandi, which is basically where the middlemen have the ultimate say. So I think there are a number of simpler things too, which can be done perhaps. Again, irrigation is something that we really haven't succeeded in doing on a large scale. So as a result of which farmers are still, as I said, dependent on the monsoon. And again, what happens in the case of many agricultural commodities is the demand supply is so finely tuned. Like this year, for instance, one of the reasons why we found the sharp spike in prices was because we had excessive monsoon in certain areas. The onion crop was completely destroyed, so we had less coming onto the market. So because you have all these vagaries of the monsoon, you are dependent on what happens in the monsoon, you don't have adequate storage capacity. So I think you really need to have a multi-pronged approach to agriculture, if you look at how much money the farmers get and how much money their urban counterpart gets, certainly the farmers are at the receiving end. So I think the government needs to look at their concerns a little bit more sympathetically. And while it is important to keep consumers happy, it's also important to keep farmers happy. You just mentioned about the channel of distribution mm-hmm. and the Mandi is one such a channel under the APMC Act. Tell us the listeners about what the APMC Act is really about and how does it help farmers if there is one channel of distribution. Of course, the export market and exports is another channel of uh, distribution and what is the security behind the production itself in terms of minimum support price? See, the minimum support price does not extend in, on paper, it extends to many commodities, but in practice it is only rice and wheat by and large. So many of these other commodities, there is really no public procurement on a large-scale basis. So what the APMC does is that basically the farmer is forced to come to the mandi and pay huge mandi taxes. And I think things like, you know, basically rural roads, these are the kind of enablers that a farmer really needs because easier it is for him to bring his produce to the market, the easier it will be for him to ensure that the spoilage is minimum and it's also a big enabler, which is why rural roads
roads are considered to be one of the biggest enablers as far as rural prosperity are concerned. So as I said, somehow agriculture in our country, we follow the wrong policies. We've always thought in terms of subsidies, subsidies for water, subsidies for power, loan waivers, whereas these are not the things that you really need to put agriculture on a sustainable basis. Take the case of farming in Punjab, where because you've been offering free water and free power essentially, so as a result of which you're growing basmati rice in Punjab, which you shouldn't really be. So you're taking out more and more water from the underground and the water table is falling. So this is a wrong signal. If you were to price for water and you were to price for power, then maybe farmers would not grow basmati. Basmati would be grown in the Indo-Gangetic plain, not in Punjab, which is more suitable for wheat. So I think the signals right through in India what we've done, we've always tried to help agriculture through subsidies, fertilizer subsidies. Fertilizer subsidies again go mostly to the companies, not to the farmers. So this government has been trying to do things like direct benefit transfer, so that where the benefits are transferred directly to the farmer and not given to say fertilizer companies or seed companies. So it's a tall order, it's not easy to undo the kind of neglect and the kind of wrong policies that we followed through all these years because we, in 1991 we did reform in industry. But this kind of reform has been missing in agriculture. And that's not going to be easy to do because the moment you ask a farmer to start paying for his power, his immediate reaction will be, why should I pay for power? So it's going to be difficult. So it's going to be a tough call, as I said. But I think we perhaps really need to realize that it can be done. You spoke about the case of Punjab, where they're drawing so much groundwater, that is 79% of all the water that they're consuming for a crop that is not natural to that particular terrain itself. The geographical indicators don't in any way indicate that that's a crop that you should be growing in Punjab. But because of the returns on that crop, we are farmers motivated by that kind of produce. Coming back to onion itself, looking at the figures right now, when they're auctioned in the uh, mandi itself, it's 1,652 rupees per quintal, which is the maximum price. And at an average, it's 1,450 rupees per quintal. And the minimum is 900 rupees per quintal. That's the minimum price that the onion farmers are able to extract from the market uh, itself. The purchase of onion is done by the middlemen themselves. How do you ensure that uh, that does not happen and they're not exploited? No, that's why if you allow organized traders to come in, organized large-scale procurers to come in, then you would not have this chain of middlemen. So it, I think it's important to ensure that you allow large successful agricultural companies to come in and not have trading limits, have storage limits, have hoarding limits. There's a difference between storage and hoarding. So I think it's important to make that distinction and allow large organized entities to come in to procure directly from the farmers rather than have this whole host of middlemen, which is why one of the strong arguments that was made with FDI and multi-brand retail. So I think there are a number of reform measures that need to be taken in agriculture. And hopefully now that they've lifted their export ban, they will not reimpose it on any other agricultural commodity. Thank you so much, Maithili, for giving us views on the present policy of the government allowing onion exports on March 15. Thank you so much. Thank you. You were listening to a discussion on export of onion and other essential commodities and its impact on economy. The participants were Mathali Mushnurmat, Economic Analyst and Arjun J. Chaudhary, Journalist. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is available on our website newsonair.com. You may email your opinion about this program at airnstalks at gmail.com. You can also follow us on the news on AIR app for updates.